Why is this so hard for me to put my mind on? <sighs> yeah. This, you're not paying the talent enough around here. That's appropriate. And we had, if I had talent, I could get paid. All right. Three, two, one. back to the why is this so hard for you to put on a microphone podcast i'm derek <laughs> i'm jonathan i'm somebody yeah you're not either you're none of the above and we're so glad you've joined us again you're you've just enjoyed the the lovely strains of the cherokee jack theme i mean the uh the song x <laughs> theme run through an ai piano reduction software so with a soft bechamel sauce <laughs> or it could have been a cat <laughs> either one yes something like that so welcome back you've made it to another episode um if you heard our first episode and came back well bless your heart we're so glad you're here and um to talk about artists that you know and songs you may not so uh, that's kind of the point of the podcast why is it so hard for people to stop listening to classic rock and listen to something else other than what they're playing, focus tested on the radio for you. So hopefully we're going to introduce you to some songs by artists that you know, but you just didn't know the music. So um, any comments before we dive into the first one here, guys? No. No let's comments? Let's jump in. Okay, let's jump in. Um, let's push Let's push play and see what we got here. Our first, our first song for the day. Let's see what we got. Curtis, I think... I think this yeah. is yours, Curtis. This is Jackson Brown from his uh, third studio album in 1974. Fans of Jackson Brown will certainly know this song, but it wasn't a hit. Nope. Um, it's the title track from his album, Late for the Sky. And Jackson Brown says this is one of his most personal songs. And he says it's about a time in your life when you realize that something is ending and that you are late to what should be following. Ah. Um, it's a very introspective song. Mm -hmm. um, he was dealing with a breakup. As, what else is new for Jackson Brown? As, <laughs> as musicians tend to do. Um, and also the death of a friend. And interestingly enough he said he had come up with the phrase late for the sky and liked the phrase and so he wrote a song around just the fact that he had this yeah um, i was a little late to jackson brown um considering my age i should i mean i knew doctor my eyes right but it was a friend of mine who introduced me to running on empty album uh, and so then I got into his back catalog after that. And right. This is one of his staples as he, you know, tours. Yeah. That in that part right there is one of Jackson's best lines. Looking hard into your eyes, there was nobody I've ever known. Yeah. That's such uh, a great line. He is so good lyrically. He is. Um, and David Lindley's guitar on this, weaving yes. in and out of the vocal, is so pretty. In fact, since we mentioned Lindley, who just passed away in 2023, who else do we have on this? Uh, this we song? have High Winding on piano and okay. Hammond organ, okay. Larry Zach okay. on drums, and Doug Haywood on bass. Okay. 
Larry Zack, also known as Preppy from the what was that? Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's a different Zack. I, I think it uh. is. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, the rest of this album is not as this was the opening track of the album. Yes. So this is a very low-key way to open an album. Not a whole lot of bombast and um, anyway. And the the chorus line here: "How long have I been sleeping?" Yes. Yeah, that's a, such a great line. How long have I been sleeping? And I'm ready to move on to something else. And um, how long have I been drifting along through the night? Right. Yeah. Just right. Great way to think of a. A, a very Jackson Brown way of thinking mm. about the end of a of a relationship here. Yeah. Now that relationship, as I did a little research, um, it's suggested that uh, this was Joni Mitchell. Oh, could be. I mean, she got around. There's she was she was dating a lot of those guys: Jackson, James Taylor, mm-hmm. David Crosby. Kind of a Jocko. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're right, Jaco Pistorius. That's right. Um, and so um, that whole crowd from the Laurel Canyon scene were all kind of dating each other at some point. Something um, in the water. Something in the water up there. In, and it was probably LSD. It was probably, yeah, up, up there in Laurel Canyon. Right. Um, I, I was torn between this and The Pretender because I like the song The Pretender more. Mm. Okay. But, in keeping with the theme of what we're trying to do here, The Pretender has become sort of a on-the-classic-rock radio playlist. Okay. Even though it was not a hit in the day. Um, that's Classic rock radio has done that with several artists. They've done it with Rush. Yeah, that's true. You'll not hear Tom Sawyer or Free Will or something like or, that. Or you will hear Spirit of Radio. Right. Yeah. Which was absolutely not a hit. But anyway, that's sort yeah. of a- um, I think with this song, too, um, this would have been a hit had it been released, I think. It fits, it, it, it fits kind of everything that was pop. 74, you said? 74. So this would have been fine on the radio then. And what's interesting is this song found its way onto two compilation albums. So oh, obviously, but not oddly, not Jackson Brown albums, compilation albums, right? Both Culture Club, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, <laughs> that's Boy, the weird thing. Yeah, this was, was right after Karma Chameleon. Right, yes. late for the Karma Chameleons guy. So, what compilation albums did he did this make it onto? So it was on to the next voice you hear, which was a best of, right? And then just his the very best of oh, Jackson Brown. Okay, and I know he's done this like on some of his solo acoustic, yeah, stuff. Yeah. That was a great choice. I'm so glad you. In fact, when when that one came up, that you picked that one, I was like, okay, I had to cross one off mine because I was gonna ah. pick uh, late for the sky. So I have to go back and pick something else. Okay, Jonathan, I'm just gonna hit play on yours and let you take over. So here, uh, here we go. I think this. What have we here? So what we have here, as we're recording this, we are uh, on the tail end of the holiday season, and 
when I think of holiday albums that I pull out, one that comes out is Sean Colvin's Holiday Songs and Lullabies. So this is her version. Her of- version of In the Bleak Midwinter. Yes. Which was the uh, the lead track on this album. Yeah. And the reason I selected it, I wouldn't normally select uh, anything like this. Would this qualify for something that's lesser known? Certainly. Yep. Um, absolutely. If you go and listen to this entire album, the only other, the only real traditional song would be Silent Night. Oh, okay. Everything else on this is either obscure or uh, self, you know, uh, composed by by Sean. And so uh, this came out in 88, 1988. And, um, this was 88, really? Yeah. Wow. 1988. <laughs> um, the song is originally a poem. So mm-hmm. A Christmas Carol is what the poem was titled. But uh, Gustav Holst was the one who set it to music. There are five stanzas to this uh, Christmas Carol. She only does one, four, and five. I okay. think on the fifth one, the, the men sing. Mary, <laughs> <laughs> uh, take the picture gonna... and we're done. <laughs> That's right. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, do I... you have who plays on this? Why? Well, it's too numerous because of the ensemble, but let me tell you about the ensemble. Okay. So. You know, you've got your, your typical band ensemble, you know, your your guitar, your bass, your drums, keys, sure. whatnot, organ. But then you've got euphonium, French horn, trombone, bass trombone, flugelhorn, and then your string session of uh, section of cello, violin, viola, and then oboe. Okay. Okay. Now, since um, you've mentioned in a prior episode, Jonathan, that you're... Um, musical you know landscape kind of exploded in college and i was getting to know you right when you came to college so you and i were becoming friends right, right when you got to college right um i already knew about sean colvin so i don't know if did i introduce you to colvin or yeah okay yeah. so that was that was an uh, introduction for me and because of just what you shared and what i enjoyed i thought you know what else is out there ah, okay. and I'm a person at the holiday season that I want to listen to something different. Uh-huh. You know, we could do a whole holiday burnt to a crisp. Uh, <laughs> we probably episode. will. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I like to, you know, what out there is unique and original and just not really played that much. And this for me was in the bleak midwinter by Sean Colvin. Got it. Um, I remember getting into Colvin when I was touring with Rich Mullins. I was the, one of the guitar players in his band. And everybody had her debut studio album, Steady On, and we just played that thing to death. And so anything Colvin for three or four records, I just loved. Um, And of course, she's not an unknown uh, artist. She won a Grammy uh, for her song, Sunny Sunny Came Came Home, um, which came out in 93, 94, somewhere around in there. Um, So she's a Grammy winning artist. She is not an unknown artist. but that certainly is a more obscure tune from Sean Colvin. So I had never heard this before you let us know that you were going to be playing it. And it was like, started listening to it. And it's, boy, this is, 
right in my wheelhouse yeah. here. This is just, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring some Colvin in, and so I'll be anxious to see how you react to something else from her because she's definitely a favorite among Jonathan and me, mm-hmm. and so we'll definitely bring that in. Okay. Let's see what I've got. And I should mention that anything I pick for my songs for quite a while, I actually own on hard copy. The last episode I had Bruce Hornsby's Harbor Lights. So here's my, there's my hard copy of Harbor Lights by Bruce Hornsby. And here's my hard copy for this album. Um, that I kind of made that a self-imposed I'm only going to choose something I own on physical disc. So for quite a while, I'm only going to be choosing stuff that I own on physical disc. So here's my contribution to this this episode. Here we go. (laughs) This is the uh, 10th track from Sting's second solo album, Nothing Like the Sun. This is Sister Moon. An artist you know, a song you may not have heard. This is um, basically Sting on upright bass, the unmistakable soprano saxophone of Bradford Marsalis, no doubt. Only soprano saxophone I really enjoy listening to. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. And then I'm not sure who's adding the synthesizer pads. I'm looking through my, let's see, it might be Kenny Kirkland, um, and this might also feature some orchestration by the late Gil Evans, who worked with Mm. Miles Davis. Right. But I just love this. With that marriage of Branford and Sting was so good. Curtis and I have talked a lot about um, pop hits with saxophones in them. Yes. And so it kind of came to a head in the late 80s, early 90s. Every pop song had a saxophone solo on it. Yes. Listen to any Richard Marks hit from around then. They all had saxophone solos or whatever. Um, Of course, Kenny G is the ubiquitous... Yeah. Soprano sax. Soprano sax. De facto. Don't, don't care for his tone at all. No. But put the saxophone, that saxophone in Branford Marcellus's hands, and it's a joy to listen to. Yes. Completely different. Um, I, I kind of think that has something to do with the fact that his first instrument was the clarinet. He has a very much rounder, more mellow, and always in tune. Right. Uh, tone. So, like... Here we have a nice kind of little interlude with just Branford playing. Well, the soprano saxophone can be such a strident yeah. instrument, yes. just piercing. Yeah. And I've always thought his tone was, I mean, he must have reeds made of velvet because yeah. it's just so <laughs> the opposite reed maker of david sanborn yeah david sanborn had the titanium reeds <laughs> yes <laughs> made of diamond <laughs> yeah um so you know sting of course goes solo from the police his first album dream of the blue turtles comes out in 85 
and we've got Branford in that band. We've got Omar Hakim playing drums. We've got Daryl Jones on bass and Kenny Kirkland on piano. Mm -hmm. And Sting's playing guitar because Daryl Jones is playing bass, uh, who now is with the Rolling Stones. But I really, I mean, I love Daryl Jones. He's just, I love him as a bass player. But I love when Sting went back to bass because I think he's a, for his music, right. he's a fascinating bass player. Um, and so this album is kind of a, as much as I love that Blue Turtles band, who wouldn't love the Blue Turtles sure. band? Um, it's Wynton Marcellus. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Wynton didn't like it, and people that thought because they were his band, right? <laughs> and, and people that thought Sting was hiring these musicians just because they were black, which that was the big thing at the time. And he's like, no, I hired them because they're great players. Because <laughs> they're the best. Because they're the best. So, anyway, wonderful track from uh, from Nothing Like the Sun. That's uh, Sister Moon by and, Sting. And it was featured in some 1940s detective movie. I was going to say, it feels like a film noir type yes. of yeah, thing. Yeah, it kind of yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay. Well, we've come to that time of the uh, podcast where we do our Burn to a Crisp segment. And remember, this is a song that one of the three of us brings in. The other two have no idea what's coming which either makes it great or horrifying. Um, this is a, definitely a song that was a hit. Um, we're all going to know what this is, but we may or may not like it. In fact, we might think it's been burned to a crisp. And Derek and I have no clue what's coming. I have no clue. So that means Jonathan has brought in the uh, today's burned to a crisp nugget. If so. there was a video or a an image that could be displayed from each podcast it would be the opening measures of each of these songs just to see our reactions okay that would be the that yeah so without any uh oh boy. without further ado here, here we, we go. go oh oh <sighs> i just i just <laughs> oh i just this is four minutes I'm never going to get back in my life. I kind of felt that way the first time I heard it. Yeah. I'm not a B-52s fan. I'm not a B-52 fan. A hater. Now, are we talking the plane or the band? The plane. Yeah, I'm <laughs> okay. not, I'm not much right. a fan of the plane either. <laughs> well, I will say this. It's not Rock Lobster. No, it's not. So, it's not Rock Lobster. Which wow, would have been worse. Hey, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I just have a feeling Jonathan likes this. I love this song. <laughs> That's how well we know each other. Nin I just kind of figured. 1989. <laughs> Jonathan likes this I song. I love this song. So here's the deal. Growing up as an instrumentalist. <laughs> I ha I'm defending this. Absolutely, I'm going to defend this. Oh. Growing up as an instrumentalist, I'm barely listening I've at this point. A lot <laughs> by how musical makes you feel or things like that. Consequently, I'm not that great of a lyricist. I don't pay as much to attention to lyrics as you guys do. Something I need to grow and learn in. But this song is. <laughs> you can see Curtis's face. It's just I'm waiting to ask you to defend David Hinckley after you defend this. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> Summertime, windows down, driving down the highway. Gosh, this is just, it's got to make you feel good all the time. Gosh, this is expensive. This is, this is cotton candy. It is. Oh. <laughs> and, I and, think this, and this is an insult I, to cotton candy. I kind of see Asteroid. the appeal. This I can understand. This is musical Ipecac. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand the appeal. Um, kind of like I under- understand the appeal of broccoli and cheese. It ain't my thing. I I, I can kind of. Neither is vomiting. No, no. <laughs> I have an overwhelming. Uh, urge to listen to separate ways. <laughs> if you want to see something interesting, go uh, go check out on YouTube when they played this on the the uh, the Late Show with David Letterman. Paul Schaefer sits in. Well, Paul's band actually okay. is the backing band for the B52s on this, and it, it's just a riot. It's so much fun. Okay. Uh, I, oh wait. Oh gosh, we're only halfway through the track. Oh, good. Wow. There's, there's. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that my adapter is going to short out in a minute, and strangely, we'll have to stop playing the song. What's the song about? Uh, a love shack where we can get together. Right. And and the video for this is. That was burned to a crisp. Yeah. And a bunch of people dancing around and singing about a love shack. Okay. So here's the deal. Jonathan and I have a mutual friend that we tease because he has an abiding love of disco era Bee Gees. Mm -hmm. You have no room to talk. Okay. Um, We just... I'll accept that. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to own that one. You're going to own that one. Now, do I do I purposely go out and, and play this track? No. I'm sure you don't. But if it comes on the radio, I'm not changing the station. Hmm. Wow. Um. Yeah, I. I am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if people could see, <laughs> Jonathan is. He's mouthing he's along. Lip syncing the. Lip syncing the. The. the Guy singer in this uh, group? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we got some nice chord extensions there in the in the uh, background vocals. I mean we go to the ninth there. I mean you don't hear that a lot in yeah. in nineteen eighty nine pop music. No, and then Oh, this is the I don't what is the ten roof rusted? Bang bang on the door, baby. Right. That's right up there with "Won't you take me to Funky Town?" <laughs> that's as far true. as lyrically. Yeah, yeah, that's. Oh, we've sadly oh. reached the end of this thing. Okay, and there we have the song, not called "Rock Lobster" by the B-52s. So <laughs> that's uh, probably that's probably the end of that. Well, okay, wow. Well, that was fun. Um, yeah, that's. Um, but I like tight shoes. So. Yeah, and I did make the call that you like this. You indeed were correct. Okay, that was, that was fascinating. 
All right, if you've managed to make it this far, then again, bless your heart. Um, you're amazing. Um, we are glad that you've sat through another episode of Why Is This So Hard For You? Why is this so hard for us to not play the B-52s? Um, we'll be back next episode, probably B-52 free. Um, I make no promises. Well, John, Eric Curtis, I think it's your time to bring in a burn to a crisp. Yeah, it is. Okay. There so will be no B-52s. There will be no, we can safely say it's a B-52-less zone. So, well, thanks for tuning in. We sure appreciate it. We hope to catch you next time. See you later.